Yo, what's up everybody? It's your boy A.L. Newton and you're tuned in to another episode of A New Perspective. I'm so glad to have you start your week off with me yet again. Um, full disclosure, uh, it is 12.48 in the morning and I'm recording the pod. I recorded it earlier today and uh, somehow with the power of technology I did something to corrupt the file. But I still want to make sure that this podcast is released every Monday at 7 a.m. And so I'm up. I'm recording it. I just got done with uh, my four miles uh, for Sunday because I procrastinated on that. I've been uh, running, um, walking, power walking, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Clocked 102 miles in July. And uh, the goal for August is four miles every day and working uh, chest and shoulders on my two days off um yeah never going to be a core guy uh just ain't gonna happen but the podcast i recorded earlier the episode i recorded earlier was straight fire and i can't recreate that magic um had a great opening story but that's just not on my heart to start off with so let's get this thing rolling um, last week, in my reflection of John Lewis, I talked about the importance of black representation, what it meant um, to have black people in the room, the power of, of that representation, especially when you're trying to grow a brand. And so I have been in my industry now um, as a restaurateur since I was 17 and I'm 30, whatever that math is, I'm horrible at math. Um, and in that time frame, uh, I have worked with zero. When I was a shift leader, I worked with no black shift leaders. Um, in fact, doing a quick think around, I've never had a black shift leader. Uh, that's a reflection on me because I've been in some high positions, but I've never even had a black shift leader. As an assistant manager, I have never worked alongside a um, black assistant manager. Yeah, I worked with a temporary for three weeks. And, uh, so never worked with a black male assistant manager, a temp here or there, but nobody that was in a permanent roster was able to build a team, cultivate a relationship with. Um, as a GM uh, on my district of 10 or 11, I worked with one other african-american male um i've had one black do um and so it, it's been sparse um a lot of times i've said it in many settings i was the youngest and the only black person in the room um and so i have in my profession learned to be really bullheaded um but I have worked for one black general manager, one black managing partner. And he, for me, um, really filled a void. Um, I've got two dads and my mom has two dads. and I, I can't say that I, I don't have a dad. I had a, a black male figure um, that would be uh, insensitive and, and not give those men who have served that role for me 
their just due, but I've never had consistency. Um, I've always craved that. I've never had, knew that there was going to be somebody sitting in the stands. I never knew that there was going to be somebody there, that black man that was there for me to support me. Um, the closest thing I have had to that on a consistent basis is a man by the name of O.J. Lake who has since um, gone on to glory. Um, and for about a long stretch of time, if I was preaching from the time I started preaching when I was 13 till probably about 23, 24, if I was preaching, didn't matter where I was at, if he knew he was going to be there, and if I didn't tell him, he'd be mad. And so I've always craved that. I look for that. Um, and not just from black men, but from men, period, that, that support and that structure, I'm convinced that's why I um, have been loyal to some of the people I've been loyal to for so long, and I find myself now trying to surround myself with men who I think I want to be like um, white, black, red, or green, or indifferent, just looking at the way they carry themselves, that's what I want to be. Um, but having a black gym was totally, totally different, and he filled a void for me that I did not even um, know I wanted. I knew I needed it. Um, I'm preaching a sermon series now on dealing with the wounds of your life, and so this is being blatantly honest that, that it was something that I, I need, that that I needed, and I still need um, consistent, solid advice. And so when I first started working for this man, we we exactly we actually really didn't get along because um, he would look at me and. You remind me of my son. You remind me of my son. You remind me of my son to the point where I had to remind him that at the time I was uh, 27 and uh, I wasn't his son and that I had been doing this long enough and I needed my respect. And even then, the way he handled me with correction, care, and compassion played a big role. And over the years, um, it would go from talking every day to, to, to weekly. and It would go from... Uh, professional advice to personal advice to um, just having somebody that could look at you and know something's wrong as a man not not in uh, a perverse way that, that could be spin but just knowing that as strong as men are um, supposed to be somebody saying hey what's wrong hey hey um, what's the issue or hey um, I could just say hey I'm, I'm Ooh, that woman is driving me crazy, and this, that, and the third, and look, you need to go do X, Y, Z. Um, hey, I'm about to say this, and uh, this man would call me and say, boy, you giving him hell. Boy, you giving him hell. Boy, you giving him hell. And and would just talk me through certain things, and uh, that man's name is James Cook. And um, on Tuesday, uh, we, we lost him. Um... And it, it shocked. I, I cried. He, he died Tuesday. I found out Wednesday. And I literally cried from the moment I found out until I <laughs> uh, spoke at Baccalaureate later that day. So until I parked my car in the parking lot of the church. Um, so, and, and I've been tasked with... Uh, eulogizing him 
you know, it's going to be difficult, uh, but I'm going to do it. I uh, promise that I'd, I'd send them out real good. My point in saying that is, um, as men, we got to do a better job of expressing uh, what we mean to each other and not allow the stereotypes of society to prevent us from telling each other that we need each other and what we mean to each other. Um, in the same breath, I uh, just told y'all I've been preaching since I was April, answered my call April, for Sunday in April 2003, preached my first Sunday, preached my first sermon the fourth Sunday in June 2003. I know it's hard to believe because I'm such a hellion, but uh, God used a uh, donkey to talk, which lets me know uh, that a Jenny jackass can preach. Ooh, I cussed last time, and I need to say sorry. So I'm sorry for that. Um, but in that, I've done a lot of funerals, served in a lot of roles. My very first job um, was digging graves uh, for a funeral home here in town. I can tell you how it's supposed to be built, trust me, uh, for a skip sandwich. That, that That's how I used to get paid. Um, and I have never funeralized somebody from dying from the flu. And what is that, 17 years of ministry? Um, I have now, uh, this is my fourth COVID-related funeral. Uh, people like to bring up underlying conditions and, and all of that. At the end of the day, COVID complications have, uh, have uh, played their toll. These, um, these, hell, since June, it's July, uh, it's now August. So in that, in that span, I'm kind of since we reopened. And so I do get emotional and defensive when I see people talking about, oh, what it is or how simple it is or how easy it is to handle. And um, I, I know that uh, Boss Man in particular was in the hospital 13 days, didn't see his family and went, went left for work one day, uh, went to the hospital and, and never saw his family again and they never saw him. So... Uh, people keep talking about still so dismissive and, and you can feel how you want to feel about it you can blame who you want to blame about it but to me it is extremely real um, I say that and I look at the situation with sports I've already told you all if I was a professional athlete I wouldn't play a game or down um, if I was an amateur I wouldn't play a game or down but I applaud all these players that say hey you, you cannot have the money, or you can have the money. I got a newborn, or I want to be able to go see my mama, or I want to do this, that, and the third. Um, you look at the tale of two sports. MLB is is the least contact sport in the world, but there's an FU attitude kind of in that league right now. And then there's the NBA who had their bubble, and you can't convince me that the NFL could not have found a way to build a bubble city. Um, in the amount of time that they knew about this virus, and make make no mistakes about it, uh, if I, with my very limited resources that used to be very good, knew that this thing would not be over in 
whatever the first shutdown was, the NFL with their billions of dollars uh, and their connections, they knew they had time to build themselves a bubble city in some faraway country town that could have used the economical boost. And they didn't. So um, I'm interested to see how that plays out um, because this virus is very, very real. Um, and I think uh, about people like Herman Cain. Now, let me slightly defend Herman Cain uh, because there are certain African-American people that in the African-American community we are taught about. I knew about Ben Carson since sixth or seventh grade. He is in the black community. Or, eh, I don't know if he still is. I don't know if they teach him like that. Um, one of the icons, one of the people that you wanted to be like because uh, ben Carson was was Mr. Good Hands. Ben Carson was the man that um, was was unlike any other. He he was the top of the pecking order, top of the pyramid when it came to miracle professionals. And over the years, his political stance has cost him um, has cost him his connection with the black community. Um, there are black Republicans. I am a black Republican. Um, but there is a difference in having conservative views and having conservative Christian views and then aligning yourself with the party. Um, this is kind of definitely off script. I mean, it's all, there's never a script, but, um, for example, I, Anthony L. Newton, in sound mind and in my own opinion, um, do not believe in abortion but I also don't that it's just part of my core belief but I also don't believe it's my right to tell people what to do with their body um, I being the same said Anthony O. Newton um, don't believe that taxpayers ought to be paying for insurance of those who can't pay it never have been never been a fan that's why I couldn't be a big of a fan of President Obama as most people thought I was. Um, but I do believe that health care should be affordable to everybody because health care is expensive. And if you don't have insurance, you can't take care of yourself. Um, being the same, said Anthony Newton, um, I don't believe in uh, free college because I was one of those people who wasted away free high school. <laughs> but I do believe <laughs> that it costs three arms and three legs to um, receive good, um, a good college education. And if you come from poor neighborhoods or from a family um, that is full of people who have never even seen a college, you can't get a leg up if it costs you so much to, to get in the door. Um, I uh, know that you can feel a certain way and still respect people's feelings. That is different from some of the hatred that is spewed when people try to show, hey, what's Republican and what's Democrat. That being said, there are people like Herman Cain, who is a black success story, who um, did not get a million dollar loan from his father that he did have to pay back. He worked his way up from the bottom. 
he became a um, model of hey you can do it working his way through the Pillsbury the Pillsbury uh, system and then essentially jumping over to Burger King because he felt like he was stuck in a spot and becoming a top executive at Burger King from there being made the president of Godfather Pizza and then when Pillsbury uh, wanted to cut ties with him they uh, cut ties with uh, uh, Godfather Pizza he organized the brain trust to get together and buy it and he made it at the time a strong um, a strong brand and so he was a success story um, when you look at what he did in 2012 uh, being laying the groundwork for the 2016 campaign um, I, uh, I I think that bit him in the butt and we don't honor the legacy the way we should but then and I think people get confused even still inside the party because um, the whole anti-mask thing the virus isn't the real thing and the irony of uh, him succumbing to the, the virus is like wow because did you really believe that I don't know uh, do I think not yeah I think not because I, I personally know people who believe the virus is completely real but won't do anything preventative because they feel like if they do preventative they go against the tone of certain leadership or they show a certain weakness is not really a weakness and so um, it sucks to, it sucks that that happens um, I can't get that image of him at the Tulsa rally out of my head and I know people are saying well what about the protests there have been protests about a lot of things there have been protests about protests there have been protests about masks there have been protests about Black Lives Matter there have been protests about All Lives Matter there have been all kind of protests protests about opening uh, the country back up no matter what the protest is from one side what you're seeing is um, COVID spread because people and protests, and I've, I've attended uh, a few, but the ones I've attended, um, everybody had on masks, and even if you weren't socially distanced, you weren't buttered up with people. Um, there was lots of hand hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, hand washing stations, whereas I've seen some other protests, and um, you just... Uh, don't see that same level of concern for it that's the same reason you see it breaking out in churches is because our faith is so strong that we're still going to lay hands and we're still not going to wipe the mics off and we're still not going to wear masks and you're seeing people fall sick because there is an ignorance of science um, that really irks me that really troubles um, me long term um, because the the more we ignore this thing the more that it uh, carries on um, speaking of Herman Cain and, and the Tulsa meeting and all of that how about and the discombobulation of the uh, party we all need to be concerned with some of the uh, totalitarian totalitarian ugh, how do I pronounce that um, practices we're starting to see or ideas that we're starting to hear suggested to us um, like pushing back the election um, which is scary because only Congress can 
change the time of the election is scary because if there is an election by a certain time, the Speaker of the House uh, becomes the president, and I ain't her fan either. Um, it's scary um, because we have people who um, will be ready to riot about standing during the anthem that are not or disagree with kneeling through the anthem or whatever their issues with the the anthem deal um but they're not concerned when there are suggestions made about uh literally infringing on things that are in the constitution um there's stuff and i said i think the rnc is in disarray um there's stuff like the fact that uh there's going to be an rnc without the press no matter how you feel about the press, the press is important. Um, had the press not been the press when our society first started up, we wouldn't have been able to see certain things because most people believe that the things can't happen in their neighborhood, and they can. And what the press did was illuminate the fact that these things are happening and they're closer than uh, you may want to admit. And so not having the press in a... Uh, national committee meeting where you're nominating a person to be the president of the United States is scary to me. Um, it genuinely frightens me when I think about the way our democracy was lined up. Uh, don't get me wrong, there are secret meetings and meetings behind closed doors, but I have never heard of, hey, this is our big meeting and we're purposely not going to send the press in um, because we know um, that we're going to say some things that just aren't accepted and going to go over well. I guarantee you that in those speeches that are not aired, there will be a lot of um, a lot of outdated and archaic ways of thinking and trains of thoughts. Um, and and some people are more worried about um, bans on TikTok than they are. <laughs> about us literally not worrying about a foreign nation what a foreign nation is doing but worrying about what we got going on here um, speaking of elections most counties um, most counties need poll workers uh, a majority of poll workers are senior citizens and a lot of senior citizens are afraid of this virus they're not going to want to work the polls and uh, most places that is paid, so look into it. You you can give back if you're a young person. So that's it. That's about all I got. Um, I know these things work a little bit better when they're under 30 minutes because you can only handle my sultry voice for so much. And some of you all consume a lot of my voice because you are faithful uh, members. Um, you're faithful members to... Uh, watching sermons every day so or every sunday so um that's all i got well uh, let, let me end on this mode just because uh it's on my mind uh, men uh, don't be afraid to tell somebody else that you love them that you need them that you appreciate them that you value them um, and that they're important to you because literally we all have uh, moments where we feel invincible but uh, father time is undefeated. So um, tell somebody you love them. Don't just tell them that you love them. Show them that you love them um, by the way you treat them with kindness, care, and compassion. Um, show them that you love them by savoring every simplectic 
moment that you have together. Show them that you love them. Um, show them that you care because uh, that's important and, and you never know um, when you won't be there. I think that rhymed. I think I should have been a rapper. So um, until next week, uh, y'all pray for your boy Saturday. Saturday at 1. Saturday at 1. Um, other than that, that's all I got. Um, till next week, I love you. And there's absolutely, positively nothing you can do about it, even if you're eating a warm bowl of soup on the beach. I don't know where that came from. It's one something in the morning. I'm delirious. Peace.